At True Choice Federal Credit Union, we're passionate about making your life easier. We know there's no such thing as one size fits all for your finances. So no matter who you are, where you've been, or where you're heading, we'll make sure you've got what you need to get where you're going. If you're looking for a loan for a reliable ride, your first home, or you're planning for the future, we have your back. True Choice Federal Credit Union. The love is real. Member NCUA. Equal housing lender. Your happiest spring starts at Lowe's because Spring Fest is on now. Find everything you need this season at a great low price like the Craftsman 20-volt string trimmer for just $99. And grab select miracle Grow Brilliant Blooms 25-ounce annuals, two for $10. Come into Lowe's today for the fun and savings of Spring Fest. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. miracle Grow offer in-store only. Plant size and selection varies by location. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Selection varies by location. While supplies last about 428 through 54. Welcome, I'm Mike Nye. And I'm Taryn Merlo from the Hail and Well Met Podcasts. And I'm Alex Etalander from the Ostium Network. And welcome to our TeaCast. While there is tea, there is hope. <sighs> welcome to another episode of While There Is Tea, There Is Hope. This is episode five for all the tea in China. No, for all the China in tea. Another pun for you. <laughs> With me, I've got our whole group here together. So, uh, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. We're um, currently in our third day of uh, new lockdown, uh, which is, uh, you know, been okay, been been good and bad. Uh, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lovely day outside. Um, I can't really go out there and uh, do much, but uh, yeah, no, we're going okay. We're going okay. How are you? Hopefully by the time this uh, episode airs, this will just be a distant memory. Yeah, let's, months let's in the hope past. so. And we have Taryn here too. How are you doing, Taryn? Morning, guys. Very good. Very good. Uh, similar, same lockdown with, with Mike there. Um, not together, unfortunately. That would be fun, but... Uh, not allowed to interact with people. So uh, in isolation with my family, spent some time out the backyard this morning, listening to kids scream and run and play, which is always good. But uh, yeah, now now inside having a nice cup of tea and uh, enjoying a bit of a chat with you guys. Perfect segue as we begin every episode. <laughs> what are you drinking, Terry? This morning I have um, the result of a trip down south from many months ago. It is a white peony tea from seven seas tea down in dwelling up margaret river sort of way so that's about a three ish hour depending on how fast you drive trip south southeast of perth um which is sort of a more uh, a, a a wetter area of our state so a bit more bit more water and a bit more uh, nice scenery around this place so um it is it is an imported tea but it is an organically imported tea from china um and uh yeah a white peony so it's it's a white tea which is at, at that processing queue it's the least processed of the teas uh and it's the the top it's the bud and the first two leaves from the tip of the tea bush 
is is what they use to make that uh, this white peony tea. So it's very light. It's very flowery, not not in a bread flowery, but in a in a flower flowery. <laughs> Uh, yeah, very tasty. Very, very subtle. Very light. Good episode. <laughs> Taryn starts talking about bread. Mm-hmm. Yeast teas, you know, Ugh. all those. <laughs> um, I'm drinking a very boring but delicious uh, peppermint iced tea from our, one of our local shops, Trader Joe's. Just the peppermint tea, a few bags, boiled in hot water, and then cold water added and then throw it in the fridge for a few days and very nice and refreshing. Ah. And I am drinking. I, I have Mike. no idea how to pronounce this. So I apologize to everyone who I'm about to offend, but it's one of the teas that you uh, sent us over, Alex, which is a van. I think it's a, Oh, right. okay. Here I go. Van Gio, Van Gio, Van, Van Gio. I, I, I don't know. It's V A N G E O I, according to the label that that you put on there, and it's a it's a pico. It's a black tea. So pico is basically uh-huh. young young leaves, and and I gotta say, I'm I'm drinking it black, and it is super smooth, like like real real good. Mm. I'm digging it a lot. Um, there was only small amounts <laughs> in the bag, so I'm assuming that it is very expensive, and I can definitely taste that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thank you for sending that across <laughs> where, did, where did you get that one you're from? welcome uh what what i i have to check i think it was from um one of our uh, little um tea break episodes i think it was from one of those people that i got they sent me some samples and it was the one i divided up uh-huh. to try, nice. i think i'll have to check um, so what what are the actual what's the actual it's, flavor it, of it? I mean, it tastes like a black tea. It's it's very mild. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's see, I I always stumble when people ask me to describe flavors because I'm I'm really bad at it. And like usually, mm-hmm. people when people ask me, you know, when I'm drinking a wine or a whiskey, you know, what do you what do you taste in it? And I mean, I can I can usually get like one or two things, um, but. I really struggle. Mm-hmm. I sort of know what I like. What are the notes? So, so with this tea, so, I mean, it, it tastes like a black tea. However, usually if you're making a black tea, quite often um, on the finish, you, you know how sometimes you get that bitterness or that um, uh, quite an overwhelming, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't know how to describe the flavor. It's kind of like bitter and sour. It's, it's like that black tea um, oversteeped. Almost like a strong tang. Yeah, so yeah. this yeah. has has only the smallest hint of that. Um, so it's got mm-hmm. like all the delicious black tea flavor, but with no, no um, you know, sort of tang at the end, which makes it super smooth and, and easy to drink. Mm. That's about as good as I can, Enjoyable, I can sure. do you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, have, have either of you guys started doing our... Uh, I, I sent, sent us all around um, the Google Forms to uh, start putting in some uh, metrics and some, some measurements of how we rate all of our teas that we've been trying. Have either of you guys had a chance to start doing that yet? No. Not yet. I was waiting for you to start. <laughs> you know. Well, I was going to so. say, this, I, I'm impressed enough with this, uh, this, this white peony that I think I'm going to actually, after we finish up recording today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load the form up and mm-hmm. I'm going to actually do this one because it's, it's nice. It's impressive. It's subtle. So, and I, I need better words to, than that to describe it. 
<laughs> Good. Well, for everyone listening to this episode, once you're done listening, you can go check the website, t-cast.com, and find out the review. And hopefully we'll have a bunch more up there. I think it'll be good to have a nice variety of in the, on there of just, you know, a lot of the basic yep. classic teas that you get in most supermarkets, and then to have a lot of the nicer teas we've been enjoying too, and just kind of see the range. And I think that's, that's a good well. point as well, because a lot of the time you see, you know, you see these sorts of, uh, you know, well, I, I don't know about you guys, but having doing some research and, and, you know, looking and hunting for new teas to try and, and to, to taste, there's, you know, you, you get past the, uh, you know, the generic store-bought brands that, you, you know, that we all know and, and love. And um, in, instantly you're into this realm of these unique sourced once, never to be found again sort of blends, which are, which are fine. But, um, you know, but for, for everyday drinking, you know, you, you're sort of reluctant to spend, you know, the 20 minutes it takes to properly do a nice cup of tea and enjoy it and relax and, 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 and enjoy it. So I think part of what I was trying to or wanting to do with these reviews of teas was to you know, pop down to the local supermarket and pick up one of each of the generic mm-hmm. brands off the shelf and, and do some actual comparisons of these things using the same metrics that we do for the fancy yeah. things um, just to be able mm-hmm. to compare them and go, Hey, yeah. look, this isn't that bad. You know, for, for, for what is a cheap off the shelf cup of tea? It's, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to try, because um, I know with my local, my one that's closest to me, um, they're a lot more local-based um, shop with a lot of local yeah. resources and all this stuff. And their tea section is huge. So it'd be fun to do like, I mean, they're pricey, but over time I can get one of each Earl Grey sort of thing and then yeah. compare and contrast and see which yep. one works and which Agreed. one for me. Yeah. A little bit of a segue there, sorry. <laughs> no, it was a good one. All right, so we're going to start with our history bit. Continuing on from our last heavy episode, um, and we're moving into Japan, with tea entering Japan. It's still <laughs> way back in history. So around the early 9th century, a Japanese Buddhist monk, Saicho, is credited with introducing tea to Japan. While studying in China, Saicho discovered tea and brought back seeds to grow at his monastery. Over time, other monks followed suit, and soon small tea plantations sprouted up at secluded monasteries. However, due to the isolation of these plantations, tea's popularity in Japan did not blossom, <laughs> good word choice, until the 13th century. The most popular method of preparing tea involved grinding the delicate green tea leaves into a fine powder using a stone mill. This powder, called matcha in Japan, was a precursor to the traditional Japanese tea ceremony, chanoyu, and it was popularized by the Zen monk Aisai. Matcha is prepared with bamboo whisks, chasen, and served in handcrafted bowls, chawan. Have, I actually haven't tried matcha. I've got some, which I do need to try. Have you guys had matcha? Yep, I have had matcha lots of times, and uh, yeah, it's quite nice. It's very nice, actually. That's it? <laughs> Mike, what's nice about it? <laughs> and how do you do it? Uh, well, I, I mean, so when you say matcha, I've tried the green matcha powder, right? So, which is basically, you know, you stretch the milk a little bit so that it's, you know, nice and warm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a little By bit contrast, of contrast, I've had matcha a few times and I do milk, not like the matcha powder. Um, so you basically get this, uh, it kind of looks like a, a warm spearmint milk with a, with a coffee froth on top. That made me think of warm toothpaste but i'm guessing it's not that 
Well, it looks, that's what it looks like. It doesn't taste like that at all. It tastes like, it tastes like, well, green tea mixed with milk, to be honest. Um, some of the powder, I think, is is sweetened because depending on where you go, um, certain coffee shops that we have locally, um, I, I don't know, I've probably already spoken about this, so excuse this, listeners, if I'm repeating old ground, but basically they serve it here. It's called a green tea latte or a matcha latte or a matcha green tea latte. Um, so you can basically get that at a coffee shop. And, and um, yeah, it looks kind of gross uh but it tastes really good if you if you like green tea um so you, it's something you would definitely have with milk then and not with hot water oh definitely with milk well when you when you're making the the, the green tea powder so they've i've always had it with milk like at a at the coffee shop they've never said how mm-hmm. do you want it it's always come out um mm-hmm. you know with milk, and i've seen that's how i've seen it too so i am wondering yeah, yeah. And if you don't have a coffee machine, apparently what you can do is um, you can sort of whisk up some milk in a in a in a saucepan um, until it's uh, you know sort of nice and warm and stretched, and then and then mix the powder. Well, I do how I how I do my coffee milk, whereas I stick it in the microwave for a minute and a half, and then yeah, and then give it a vigorous (laughs) stirring um, to make it frothy. Yeah, I've done that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, when it drops the shot in it, it actually uses makes a bit of foam itself, so it tends to work. Yeah, I mean, you can get, my mom's got one of these things. It's like a little battery powered whisking thing. It's it's like a little motor with a with a little whisk. Frother. Yeah, frother. <laughs> that's right. Um, so yeah, I guess you could use one yep. of those as well. <laughs> yep. But yeah, they're really good. Um, you even get, you know, people doing the, the latte art. Uh, Taryn. So Taryn is the polar opposite from you on the matcha. What, 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 what don't you like about it, Taryn? Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think like, like most things in life, a lot of things are an acquired taste. And when you try something once and you don't like it, you should really go back and give it another shot. Cause you know, as I keep telling my kids, who knows, you might like it, give it a shot, give it a try. And I don't take my own <laughs> advice with, with any matcha. And, and I think it might've just had a bad batch or, or, or something like that. And yeah, maybe, maybe my head was expecting spearmint milkshake and got green tea and went, that's not right. I don't, uh, was that a, was that a pun you were doing there? By the way, I was say you don't take matcha your advice. Is what you were saying with this matcha? <laughs> but um, no, it's something I should I should should try again. As I said, I've only had it once or twice, um, mainly because it's it's never really appealed to me. But again, this was pre pre tea cast, right? So so hey, I'm drinking a lot of teas now that I would never have considered, you know, before. So maybe maybe we need a matcha tea break episode too, where we all try it and say. Mm, or <laughs> a matcha off with and just you know and just puns flying everywhere yeah we can call that episode matcha ado about nothing <laughs> uh taryn you said you had something about the the growing of matcha right yeah yeah because it's it's different to to how we how we normally do other other green teas because what they normally normally the camellia sinensis and and i'm not, not sure if you, you guys are much of a the green tea thumbs. Oh, sorry, that was terrible. The the Camellia sinensis plant is it's a fairly delicate plant. Um, you know, you don't want it exposed to, to hot heats um, and and heaps of sun. But it absolutely, like a lot of plants, needs sun, needs sunlight to to you know to grow and photosynthesize. Is that is is that opposed to cold heats, Taryn? It's <laughs> dry heat or warm heat or you know, there's other types of heat as opposed to just hot heat. Shush. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. So like the two camellia sinensis that I have at the front of my house, I mean, we, we get quite warm heat, huh? mm. quite warm summers in, in WA, in Australia here. Um, you know, middle of summer, it'll get up to 45 degrees. So, um, and, and I've had these, these two plants over summer this year. So um, I tried to pick a spot that wouldn't get as much direct sun all day because it will burn and, and singe them. The other trick is with, and this is generic for all camellia plants, they tend to not enjoy huge amounts of wind because while they, they are quite pliable and flexible in, 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 and they, they can take quite a bit, um, hot wind they don't tend to enjoy too well. It scorches them and causes them to, to go brittle and snap. And I actually did have one of the branches of the, of the camellia sinensis plant uh, break off, which I was really, really upset about because they're only tiny little, little plants currently and they've only got two main branches. So for one of them to snap off, it's kind of, yeah, it's quite a huge hit for it. But normally... I'd make a, um, I'd make a Trump joke here about the hot wind, but I'm just not going to. I was going to say, Taryn, can you use a striking compound and, and um, like, will it grow from a cutting? Do you know? It, it, they normally will, but um, you've, you've got to get onto them. You've pretty much got to, I can go into a whole new episode just about stripping back uh, camellia branches and wrapping them to, um, to, to, to grow them from cuttings. But unfortunately, I got to that one too late. Um, I didn't realize it had broken off until it had dried up. Oh, that's a shame. Um, so it was still semi-attached. So I, I lost that one, but that's, that's okay. Cause where, where I guess I was getting at is normally they will leave when growing tea, it will have a lot of sun exposure with a matcha. It will be grown in shade for three to four weeks before harvest. So it will be fully shaded, which apparently gives it a much softer. Please, a matcha softer. I'm missing all of these. I'm kicking myself. <laughs> which when it comes time to then harvesting and stripping it, they grow, they, they turn around, go and put all of the plant into, yeah. So, so the stems and the veins, when I say all the plant and obviously not the plant itself, but yeah, they, they'll, they'll cut it. Um, and unlike normal green tea where they'll just, they'll, they'll pluck each leaf type and according it to, to class, they'll then, you know, do it as, as per our grading scale that we have talked about in the past um, with a matcha or with a, with a leaf aimed at being a matcha, they will take the stems and the veins and put it all through um, and they'll remove the stems and veins as they go through the, the, the whole process, but it's processed very differently. Um, and then it's powdered. Now, the whole point of growing it in the shade, it produces more. It's a matcha different process to your usual tea. Though. It's very, very, yeah, matcha different process. Um, it, causes it to get more theanine and caffeine. So it's much a higher in caffeine. Sorry, was that a Lord of the Rings character you said there? Theanine, yeah. He's a brother to Boromir and uh, he doesn't die as much. Oh, okay. <laughs> the theanine, for, if you are interested, it's one of the amino acids um, of, yeah, um, that, that is plant found in a lot of plant, piece, uh, plant species. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of the main benefits of green tea. Um, which is which is a nice one to have, but yeah, matcha is much higher in it, much higher in it, simply because it's shade grown for those last three to four weeks. Um, so they then get it all, they crush it, and they powder it, they turn it into a powder. So you get this this yeah really fine powder in the same. Have you ever looked at dry paints? So your powdered paints that you then add add water to 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 turn into a, it's that kind of consistency of powder. Um, yeah, it looks very chalky to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and and it's actually where we can get things like you have you seen 
green tea, ice cream or noodles or, you know, you name it, mm-hmm. it will be this matcha powder that they use to colour and flavour it. Um, and it gives that sort of awkward baby vomit style green, you know, green colour. Really attractive. The one that really gets you going, oh, that looks... Very interesting because compared to your other teas, you know, where you, you steep water and stuff through the, t- the leaves and then you get yeah. rid of the leaves, here you're just throwing it in there and you, it's, you know... Yeah, it dissolves. dissolves That's... and becomes part of the whole thing, which is yeah. very interesting. Different yeah. So it's, um, it's, yeah, very, very different to how we normally consume our tea. Um, and I think for me, that's why I probably haven't been too enamored with it because difference is scary and scary is not good. <laughs> Except until now with the tea cast and now you're broadening your tea horizons. Now I'm willing to give it a shot. Going on a much a great and adventurous voyage. <laughs> uh, Mike, is it? It always looks to me like it's going to be bitter. I still haven't tried it, but I will try it. But does it? Is it bitter? I've never had it where it's been bitter. Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't know whether they sweeten it, um, whether it's like pre-sweetened or not. So the, all of the powders that I've tried have been um, very drinkable, not bitter at all. So you get a very, um, quite a strong green tea flavor, but no, no bitterness. In fact, sometimes it's quite sweet. Well, I think we should do a matcha tea break episode at some point and. We'll be doing it together and see what we think. Matcha has a very interesting you know, tangent that we could go down. And it'd be interesting to see too, because we'll be doing different matchas from where we are and stuff too, and to see if there's any differences within that or if it's all kind of the same too and stuff, you know. So stay tuned for a matcha future episode. <laughs> I won't give away the, uh, the, the fact that, yeah, there are, there are very different matchas. There's matcha different teas. Um, Moving on to our next section, a modern tea custom emerges. It was not until the Ming Dynasty, 1368 to 1644, that tea was prepared by steeping the whole leaves in water, like it is today. Instead of compressing tea leaves into bricks or grinding them into a, in a stone mill, the tea leaves were dried, rolled, and then heated in ironworks to stop the oxidation process. The brewing process simply involved steeping the tea leaves in hot water without the need for a whisk. A Chinese monk brought this new rolled tea with him during his travels to Japan in the 17th century. Shortly thereafter, a tea merchant in Kyoto by the name of Soen Nagatani invented a new Japanese method of steaming, drying, and rolling green tea during the 18th century. This process and type of tea became known as Sencha and is now a mainstay in Japanese tea culture. I have definitely started to enjoy Sencha now. Yeah, I quite like Sencha. Are you having the one that has the um, baked rice? I have done that one, yeah. yeah. I quite like that one. It's very savory and delicious. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I haven't had too much of it. And you sent that about a year ago now, I think, maybe, or whatever you said that. Um, some of the rice has popped. So there's some bits of popcorn. Oh, okay. <laughs> popped rice. <laughs> rice, yeah. Probably with the heat, which is kind of funny. Um the one the center I got was from, um, again, the same local shop where I got the peppermint from. And it was just a box of, and I was like, oh, center, good. I know what that is. I'm going to try some that. Um, so I don't know if there's rice actually in it because it's in a tea bag, but it's been really nice just to steep. But I really haven't, you can't really steep it too strong, it feels like, with this one at least. Um, but I've been really enjoying it with um, meals, especially if I'm doing Asian dishes or whatever, just to have a nice warm cup of center on the side, drinking along with the delicious food I'm eating. 
So um, I'm, I'm going to, can I take a, a couple of centuries back uh, in between those two time frames that you were talking about? A couple of centuries, yes. A couple of centuries. So it was actually sort of during that Ming Dynasty period, but um, sort of 14th century, I was doing mm-hmm. some reading. And did you know that there were tea competitions during that time frame? It, it was, it's pronounced, right. it's pronounced terribly by me as torture or torture. Um, and it was to distinguish between tea grown in different different regions, so between the Honcha and the Hitcha sort of regions. Um, and they were, you'd have this massive betting, you know, that they'd bet over who would win and, and what would happen. Uh, and, and bet for uh, T-O with a straight line above it, C-H-A. Good. Okay. That's for the transcript. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, they'd have these massive bets over who would who would host the competition, huge decorations, be, be this massive mm. thing. Um, you know, the, you know, food and sake and dancing, and it was this huge, extravagant, um, yeah, thing that would go on, um, and and it was, you know, morally uh, outrageous <laughs> is the term that I was reading. Um, it's sort of the scandalous kind of uh, parties and competitions that would go on. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just it, a lot of the time where you see, um, you know, ceramic paintings and, and or, or your ceramics or paintings of tea drinking during, during Ming, it, it was of these kind of things that were very, very passionate kind of artwork put into these tea competitions. And it was just this massive thing. I'm thinking, really like tea competitions. That's, that's just, it kind of that it, it got very obviously like all things that are originally scandalous and, and strange and oh you can't do that that's that's crazy mm. um you know yeah. a century or two later <laughs> it starts to become part of the norm and turns into some of the uh, you know the tea rooms and the tea ceremony and exactly that's exactly what i was thinking out in england <laughs> yeah. yep hundreds of years yeah, later it's yep. just m- n- nice nice and just sort of blends perfectly into this uh into this formally accepted way of doing things that um that yeah that becomes becomes the norm and you think no this is of course the way we've always done it and again you think oh it's, it's england's doing it for the first time and doing it this nice and polite and proper way and it was like nope as usual china did it 300 <laughs> years before that and you're wrong <laughs> yeah it was also an interesting, um, interesting bridging of Chinese and Japanese uh, cultural differences, and and you know, sort of this this combining factor, I guess. You know, both these cultures thoroughly enjoyed and and embraced this leaf um, in a way that was something something that could be, uh, you know, be seen as a, a complementary fact between the two, despite every other. And yeah, I think it's a it's a big deal, and it kind of leads into our next section of, um, and it will go into more detail later on as um, how Europe and their various you know groups of countries there got tea from China. Um, but the key with um, China was they wanted to keep it all within China. Yeah. Um, tea was unique, however, in large part because the Chinese prevented the transfer of its seeds, plants, and knowledge to the West. Europeans were unable to transplant production to regions under their control until the early 19th century when they stole it. <laughs> what? And it took another half century to compete successfully with the Chinese at world markets. So I think it's a very uh, interesting juxtaposition there where you have Europe literally has to steal the tea, spend 50 years perfecting how to do it, and then compete with it. Meanwhile, you have this nice, you know, neighboring partnership here between China and Japan 
you know, creating new ways of doing tea and working together. Yeah, where, where Japan, what did you say, back in the, the 800s, 900s, uh, had some seeds that they brought across, planted it, and have spent centuries developing their own similar but unique ways of doing things. Um, you know, their own tea ceremonies, which, oh, man, Japanese tea ceremonies are just, they, they, they blow my mind. <laughs> they like everything. They go so over the top with, with everything. And, they're, they're, again, doing some more reading there, um, yeah, you get, um, you, you, the, the name, and again, I'm going to butcher it. So apologies was, uh, was, uh, Rikyu, um, who was one of the tea masters to both, well, again, ignore my pronunciations, but to both Daimo, uh, Oda Nobunaga and Toyoto Hideyoshi, um, and lived during this massive, uh, political and social upheaval during the, uh, Sengo- uh Sengoku period. Um, so yeah, he was this, yeah, Riku was this, um, part of this wealthy merchant class sort of family. Um, and he was part of this group that was this culture and economic force to, to change culture generally, but it also had this massive impact on, on tea culture. Um, and it's where bringing out this whole tea ceremony, um, started to become this, this thing that you did in politics and this thing you did as part of, uh, being, uh, enacting, you know, diplomatic ritual part of that was a tea ceremony which as you said was something that you know that the british developed and you know oh this is unique to us yeah centuries later but no 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 this is this is something that we have been doing for centuries and and yeah it's come about centuries beforehand from you know again similar story to to england and and to to europe european nations where uh it 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 was a method of bringing cultural change um, and, and social change and class change. Um, and you had that same thing happen centuries beforehand in the, on the other side of the world uh, for completely different reasons, but very similar outcomes, that tea is this great unifier. And I think it just it makes sense that there's such a you know, ritual to it. I mean, spiritual, it's a lot of different things. There's even religion part of it too for a lot of them. And that because they've been doing it for, you know, you know 500 years, you know, compared to, you know, Europe getting tea in the, you know, mid 19th century and only having it for, you know, a couple hundred years comparatively. So we're talking a little bit about, about censure. I, I, I found it was really interesting doing some more reading through that. Um, the, the whole point, yeah, you know, the whole method of steeping the loose tea leaf and, you know, doing this boiled tea censure sort of feel um, was, was again, you know, what, a century, 150 years before, before England, before European nations sort of started to see it. So, you know, we think when you look back at history and you see, you see these years, you know, oh yeah, that was a hundred years later, this happened. I, I always ha- I've, I've got to stop falling into this trap of, oh, it was only a hundred years, you know, whatever. And you think, well, mm-hmm, yep. What's happened in the last hundred years since, you know, 1921 through to now massive massive differences and and sure we've had some accelerated change through to various industrial revolutions and world wars but but i fail to appreciate that yes between the 16th and 17th centuries where you know the the trend of having bricked tea or powdered tea started to lose fashion and you know the whole idea of doing a boiled uh, sorry a boiled tea a boiled leaf um you know in, in in this water was the new way of doing it. You know, that, that, that took place over the course of 
you know, 100, 150 years of change. Um, and it's, it's, it is quite an eye opener to, uh, to realize that, yeah, that these things have been around for so long, despite all of this change and all of these things that have, that have been going on in our own time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. This process of fine tuning, how they rolled the leaf, how they, how they steam it, rolled it, dry it in the oven. And, and it wasn't something that happened overnight. It was a, it was a time consuming process that, that, you know, decades of research and, and, and uh, yeah. you know, mastering of these techniques went into. Trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. And it's where you get, you get these tea masters coming from um, where that, where they would have teas named after them and they would have methods of preparation named after them simply, simply based on the fact that yes, I was the guy that spent 30 years developing how to do this. Um, you know, respect my, my skills. Most of my life too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to be remembered for something. <laughs> no. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's still, um, apparently it still represents, um, Sencha as, as a method of, of, you know, drying and brewing tea in Japan, um, still represents about 80% of their tea production. Uh, to this day is, is this method. Um, and a lot of that comes down to the fact that a little later, you know, talking sort of 1800s to early 1900s, but as part of that industrial revolution was happening and, and the process of automation was, was becoming a thing. Um, it, you know, it was easy to automate mm -hmm. um, the process of, of steaming, rolling, drying and, and, you know, getting it out and selling as a product, it was something that was easily able to be uh, automated and turned into a you know, machine-based manufacturing approach to making. Ramped up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it, 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 yeah, Japan, unlike China, doesn't have a lot of land. It <laughs> doesn't have a lot of growing land. So they needed to uh, be able to you know, harvest and make and get you know, a, a return on, on the process as a profit uh, quickly and easily. Um, and Japan being the, the, the father of all automation and technology in that space, um, sort of embraced that process pretty well. Um, and yeah, apparently is, is quite a huge aspect of, uh, the, the tea process now is, is automated and machine based manufacturing processes that, uh, carries through to now all computerized and, and automated. Um, so did you ever find out that you have a bit of research with Century Tea, um, with the addition of rice, whether that was an accidental happenstance that worked out or something that was intentionally tried and experimented with? Ah, so apparently uh, it was a, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a different name um, to, to censure. So when you add brown rice to it, it becomes a, uh, yeah, you, you said it before popcorn sort of in there, but, but yeah, popcorn tea is, is its colloquial name for it. So it's a roasted rice tea. <laughs> so its name is, and, pronunciation caveat here again is gen matcha so not matcha but g-e-n-m-a-i-c-h-a oh yeah right mm -hmm. gen matcha um so japanese brian rice brian rice green tea try saying that five times fast um is yeah this green tea mixed with roasted popped brown rice so it's it's designed there um to it was sort of um, it's sometimes referred to colloquially as popcorn tea because a few of the grains of rice pop during the whole roasting process and resemble popcorn, um, which is 
it, it really does. You see pictures of it and you see it in yourself and your own tea. It looks like popcorn, but no, that is rice. <laughs> it's, it's sort of known as the, the people's tea as the rice served as a filler and reduce the price of the tea. Um, you fill it up with stuff that doesn't, yeah. it sort of takes on the flavor <laughs> of it. And all of a sudden you've got. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it was sort of the thing where, you know, as, as I said, rice takes on, is fairly flavorless in itself. So you, and, and was fairly highly produced um, you know, and still is today. So it's a relatively cheap filler product that, that you can throw into it roast it through um typically most of it doesn't pop it stays that sort of that shape and size you can then brew it and it still retains most of the flavor that, that you'd expect it, it moved on to be the sort of tea that you would use because it would take on some you know it's, it's not as diet friendly a uh, <laughs> a tea as normal because it does sort of absorb some of the the sugars and the starches that you have in rice um so um you know, it's not as low calorie, guys. Sorry, sorry to say that. That that's the reason I've put weight on. Been drinking too much gin matcha. Right, your one calorie you're getting from your five cups of tea. <laughs> exactly, as opposed to zero. Um, so yeah, it, but it, on the flip side, it does. It is a really, really good tea for if you're doing any fasting, um, because it does have a, an element of natural sugars and starches in there that you know, have very small amounts of calories in there. Yeah. Um, you know, something is a good filler between meals. So you've sort of had your, your morning meal and you're, you're rushing around so that you'd, you'd just, you know, have a cup of this. So it was the sort of thing that you'd throw in your, um, throw in your pack when you'd go for a, a, a travel from one city to another, um, as something to fill you between, between walks or between destinations. Um, you'd use it for fasting for, for religious purposes or whatever you'd, uh, you know, those sort of situations. Um, but and, and this is where its taste is, is quite interesting because you're roasting this rice, which does have the sugars and the starters in it. It tends to have that sort of malty uh, sort of warm and nutty flavor to it, um, as opposed to more of your traditional uh, you know, earthy green tea tastes that we, uh, that we know and love. Um, and, and it tends to go more of that light yellow sort of color, as opposed to more of the green yellow um, that we get some more, more, it looks more like pee as opposed to baby vomit. So, you know, it's a bit of a mixed, um, <laughs> there's the appetite going down. Not a good scale. <laughs> the pee to baby vomit scale. Unless you want to do that diet. <laughs> Exactly. Moving away from that, having tried, yeah, because I've tried the mic, because you sent me the GMC Center with the rice in it. And then I've had this other center too. And now I think back to it. Yes, there was, I could definitely tell different flavors and that multi starchy flavor in that was very different for tea, but also very enjoyable. Well, moving on to the powers of tea. We're going to talk a little bit again about um, what tea was supposed to do to you to help you to, to improve your health. Um, Long before food scientists discovered caffeine, early modern experts proposed that tea could cure many ailments, increase longevity, counter drunkenness, stimulate one's libido, and help one live a spiritual, intellectual, and productive life. Nearly everywhere tea was said to bring balance to the self and to society. Such philosophies originated in China and Japan and moved overland through Central Asia via maritime trade to port cities and hinterlands around the Indian and Atlantic Oceans. 
In Asia, the Near East, Europe, and North America, tea was a powerful medicine, a dangerous drug, a religion and artistic practice, a status symbol, an aspect of urban leisure, and a sign of respectability and virtue. Discuss. <laughs> Mike, what do you have to say? <laughs> How was it a dangerous drug? That's what I want to know. <laughs> more, yeah, more than alcohol. <laughs> All those youngins hopped up on tea. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it might have been also the, the that's part of the, oh, it's coming from Asia, you know, so it can't be good because it's not from, uh, you know, good white people tea or something. Um, I don't know. Do you notice anything changing in yourself with the vast amounts of tea you've drunk? Uh, not really. Usually that I just need to get up at 1am to go to the loo. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it, really. Well, Mike, <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you got cancer? Well, I certainly hope not. Ah, there, there you go. It's the tea, right? It's Definitely. just that's it. Just straight so, up. On that's the a... Zoom, he is on the Starship <laughs> Enterprise. You know where there are nacelles, what's this drives? You know that have a lot of radioactivity. So it, it, I don't know that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> and your daughter's piloting, apparently. <laughs> yeah i've just had a visit from my daughter i'm sorry yeah she's just stealing some paper yeah. out of the printer so she can draw draw a picture it, does she need to uh engage the inertial dampeners is that what it is yeah she <laughs> needs to realign the warp plasma conduit did i get that right i think i got that right hey, that worked that sounded good i think so anyway tarrant where were you going with the cancer well so tea tea is 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 one of the uh many natural high in antioxidant um you know, things you can consume um, healthily. Um, and, and they say, you know... And it tastes good too. It does. Yeah, you know, when, you, when you throw it to Google, what's the benefits of tea? It always seems to be the one that pops up at the top. You know, it's high antioxidant and mm-hmm. you know, antioxidants help protect you against cancer. You know, um, yeah. I, I would, I'd, I could probably pretty safely say, you know, anecdotally, sure. But um, I, I don't think... And I'm saying this without doing the research myself. So, you know, take it with a ton of salt. Um, I don't know if there's been any scientific studies that do hard tests over time that show people who drink tea are, you know, X percent less likely to contract cancer A, B or C. Um, I think it's just the association that, that tea is high in antioxidants and, you know, antioxidants have been proven. So I feel like that's actually put on some herbal tea boxes. Mm may prevent cancer or whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's interesting though, when you look at the different types of, of teas, um, you know, you've got, you know, your whites, your greens and your blacks that, that you have, they say white tea is potentially better for, um, is potentially a good dental tea. Uh, Cause white tea being less processed has a high source of fluoride, uh, which as we know is, is good for teeth health. Um, I don't know uh, Catechins and tannins. I wonder if it stains your teeth. Yeah. Well, no. This is the thing that it's got high sort, high amounts of catechins and uh, different types of tannins that strengthen and fight fight plaque and make your teeth more resistant to acid and sugar. And because it is a lighter color, it doesn't stain. Now, I know what a tannin is. What what's a catechin? Did, did you say catechin? Yeah, uh, C A or catechin. So apologies for my uh, terrible pronunciations again. C A T E C H I N. 
<laughs> it's a type of phenolic compound, very abundant in tea, berry, and cocoa, which are ascribed to be a potent antioxidant. Oh, cool. Uh, especially to uh, epi, epigala, no, EGCG3, apparently is the, uh, yep. Okay, yep. yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> so this was just white tea that, that cleans your teeth. Mm. So you're saying if I just drink white tea, I never have to brush my teeth again. Yeah, and apparently you'll be immune to cancer. So, you know, but you need to mix it up with your green tea because that is apparently um, is, is better for heart health uh, because of the way they roast it there is, uh, or make it there, it's higher in flavonoids, which are apparently all about heart health and bad cholesterol reducing and, you know, blood clot reducing. So, you know, it's, um, you know, helps, helps sort of lower blood pressure and those sort of things. So you need to have a mix of green and white tea, but then you need to also have some black tea because um, black tea's got your caffeine in it, as opposed to your green and your white, which are much lower in caffeine. Um, and that helps inflammation and support healthy immune function. So what you're saying is we should drink lots of different kinds of tea. Exactly. Just, just nonstop tea. All right. Good. Caveats, caveats here. They do say, yeah, there are some teas that should be avoided. Um, and I think this is all very common sense, but we know common sense is not common. That's why we're here to educate. There are a range of detox teas out there. Um, you know, some of them are on the shelf and when you read the ingredients, they're just herbal to sayings. So they're not, you know, then they're just to sayings. So, you know, check the ingredients and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't take our advice. We're not medical practitioners, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but some of these detox teas are pretty much tea with laxatives built in to help you uh, lose weight quickly. And yes, you'll probably lose weight quickly. <laughs> Is that for real? Do they advertise that? Or? <laughs> I don't know, but apparently it's a thing. Imagine if you just like brewed yourself a big jug of it to drink throughout the day and you didn't realise. <laughs> oh, wow. You'd lose weight. Going on a long flight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take this tea with me, yeah. Um, they also suggest um, being aware of things like your matcha lattes as uh, while they can appear to be healthy being... Uh, oh, they're full of sugar. Yeah. Yeah, quite a lot of them are. Yeah, you can taste it. Don't, don't have three of those a day then. No. The suggestion as well is things like uh, certain iced teas and bubble teas are also not, uh, you know, despite the fact they may have tea in the name and they may have some tea in them, they may also have quite a lot of sugar. And... They're tea shakes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And there's also the lovely caveat that while tisanes are awesome and I am a huge advocate for them uh, for various, various reasons, um, from sleep to... Um, just feeling good and you know, being being tasty. <laughs> you should have a you should have a t-shirt, Taryn, that says I put the design in tea. Ooh, I like it. I like that. All right, I'll do some designs up. <laughs> I might I I, I I might put a few designs up and, and throw them up on Twitter and see which one you know people people like. Maybe get a bit of a vote going and see what see what we can pick up and then throw something up on Tea Public or something like that. But uh, yeah, they do say, look, obviously with tisanes, you know, there's stuff in them that you might not be aware of. So read the ingredients because, you know, you might find you're actually allergic to this fruit or spice or nut or something. And uh, that would not be healthy for you. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Being hospitalized for an allergy. So check if it's a tisane and read the ingredients. Yeah. Drink tea and you'll have good teeth, good heart health, and you'll be, uh, you'll never get inflamed. So the opposite of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do say it's good. It's an anti, yeah, it sort of helps you get 
cures for, for hangovers, right? So maybe it is. Um, have you ever heard anything? I can't remember. I don't think I've put this up on an episode previously, but I remember hearing before, I, don't, I think it's an urban legend or whatever, something about the effect of most things, if you have too much of it, it's, it'll eventually be bad for you. But I heard with tea, you just keep drinking it and it's just, it continues to be more beneficial for you. Yeah. I'd always thought that like things that, um, you know, diuretics and things like that, if you drink too much, it wouldn't be good for your kidneys, but I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, see the science on how much tea you would need to drink for it to start to have an impact on your kidney or liver or something like that in a, in a negative way. Unfortunately, what I'm thinking about is, um, this, um, frat uh, fraternity, I can't remember where it was, where they did the hazing thing and this kid drank a, such an amount of water. I can't remember if he died or almost died from drinking too much water because it was too much ingested. It sort of dr- ends up drowning your kidneys. Or something. But, so where you would think water is just good for you, they can always have too much. <laughs> no, I just, I just did a quick Google as, um, for like negative health effects. And yeah, apparently if you drink a lot of tea um it can like mess around with your iron absorption um you know the caffeine can give you uh, anxiety and poor sleep so they say exceeding a liter of tea per day oh no yeah every day that's a lot of tea is it (laughs) well i mean i don't know how many cups do you have i only have one or two i was gonna say five bugs worth (laughs) we're worried for your health now sometimes i just have tea days Usually on my days off when I'm not working because I can't have tea at work, so I have lots of tea when I'm home. Well, there you go. So it's not it's not every day of the year. Yeah, it does say here that um, you know tea has been linked to numerous health benefits, uh, including you know reduced inflammation and all, all the stuff you spoke about before. So it says here, and to quote, this is Healthline.com. I have no idea whether they're a uh, you know reputable source of information. So take this with several pinches of salt but it says here most people can drink three to four cups that's 710 to 950 milliliters of tea daily without adverse effects but some may experience side effects at lower doses 750 so that's three quarters of a liter nine nine hundred but you said 750 seven seven ten to 950 right so it says it says here most of the side effects are related to caffeine and tannin so i mean i guess you know if you're sensitive to caffeine and tannins then you know drink less tea you probably already do anyway um well like tannins for example if i have um like a heavy black tea with a lot of tannin in it and nothing to eat you know in the morning first thing i get nausea and my stomach isn't happy with it i have to have something in my stomach food wise before i can drink the heavy tea no i know what you mean as you said, your body tells you when you, uh, when you need to change things up, right? And I, I, I felt crap doing that, so I never do it. And I've never done it again. You know, always careful. <laughs> I think it's always a good idea. I, I, I heard it in a podcast years ago that, you know, there was someone that was quite fit and healthy, you know, someone that I inspire to be like being the, you know, very unfit and unhealthy person I am. Um, they say one of the first things they do when they get up in the morning is drink a big glass of water to, you know, kickstart the body. And I've heard elsewhere that that's a good idea. So I try not to make a coffee or a tea. Um, you know, the first drink of the day, I, I always try and try and drink a water. So, yeah. I mean, so it's coffee or tea <laughs> every morning. <laughs> you are supposed to drink four, four liters a day. I think they say is the recommended amount of water. And I do, if I think now to what I've had, heavy tea days where i've drunk many a large mug i think my kidneys do ache a bit and complain with 
all the bathroom trips and stuff, you know, like you're, you're overworking us. Go easy on the tea. <laughs> Maybe you need like a stronger flavored tea that you can drink weaker, you know, so, you, so there's the water to tea content. I don't know whether that's, you know, a thing. And it's usually, I think, um, black teas I'm doing that way too. Maybe green teas will have a different effect too. Well, I mean, if you're drinking more of your green tea, Alex, you, you're just going to have better, um, better heart health. So that's, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to the history of Chinese tea. Leaf teas slowly replaced cake and powdered varieties, and these would become the primary teas of commerce. Green tea was the earliest leaf tea to be used, but in the 16th century, fermented black teas became popular. They were chiefly Sushong, Kongu, and Bohia, a bastardized European term for tea from the Wuyi Mountains. Black teas were fermented before roasting, whereas green teas were roasted immediately to prevent fermentation. After roasting, all leaves were rolled by hand to extract their juice and quality teas such as Sushong could go through this process up to four times. Congo was made from thinner leaves and was roasted and rolled fewer times. The best teas were then dried over a slow burning fire and the very finest were then put through a sieve to discard any burnt or coarse leaves. In the 18th century, oolong, a semi-fermented tea that originated in South Fujian, was a very profitable cash crop in Formosa and pico became especially popular in the export trade to Russia. During this time, consumption and production altered considerably. Both leaf and cake tea had typically been powdered into a powder and placed in a warm, shallow bowl to which hot water was added and the drink frothed with a bamboo whisk. Zhu Yuanzang, the first Ming emperor, Ming Dynasty, 1368-1644, demanded that whole leaf teas be used as tribute instead of labor-intensive cake tea. Leaf teas brewed in teapots thus grew in popularity. There, I thought it was kind of interesting that it said, um, talking a little bit with the matcha thing, where they were using water, but they whisked it up or get frothed it up there. So you have a similar thing. You still have your froth, your frother. I guess when your uh, when your emperor says, "Hey, drink it in a teapot," you you drink it in the teapot, right? You do it. Yeah, you don't want to get beheaded. And there are some very, very beautiful and prize different pots, teapots around the world that are gorgeous to behold. Oh, there, there definitely are. I was going to say um, a little while back when we were talking around some of, some of the tea ceremony side of things. Um, my, my, my auntie uh, over in Melbourne, she collects teapots. Um, auntie? Pretty, oh, right. Auntie, yes. <laughs> uh, she has a pretty impressive collection. I'll see if I can get a photo um, and uh, I'll post it up on, on Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah, she's, she's got quite an impressive collection, but a lot of them are, are very are more modern sort of, you know, modern European style teapots. But uh, I have to say I am quite, quite uh, inclined to... <laughs> Uh, no, I, I quite enjoy the, uh, the the traditional stone, you know, stone made, uh, handmade uh, teaware. Uh, in fact, Mike, I think I bought you a, uh, a cup and saucer, a handmade cup and saucer, a while back. You did. Um, My tea this morning was brewed in it. Thank you. I also need to. Um, there's a video I know I shared with you guys again. I think it was last year sometime that my wife had found of. Um, it was a person in China doing showing the different kinds of teapots and how good they are at pouring. And you can tell how good a teapot is by pouring the 
tea into the cup for a height and how much it splashes. And the better the teapot, the less splash you get oh, out. Oh, I know the physics I behind I that. On Discord, so to dig that out That's called laminar yeah. flow. <laughs> if anyone is interested. Speak some more, Mike. Come on, talk uh, a bit, Mike. It's, it's just a, a way, it's like fluid dynamics. Um, so... How do I explain it? You can, it, it basically reduces turbulence inside the moving fluid so that all of the particles of the fluid are moving in exactly the same direction. So if you have very good laminar flow, you'll get very little, um, you know, splashing and turbulence. That's Google, cool. Google it. So what about, how do you get good laminar flow in your vein? Uh, well, so normally if you want to make laminar flow, you, instead of having like, I should preface this by saying I never finished this course at university, right? <laughs> Basically, instead of having like one large pipe, you would have lots of little pipes. So I have no idea how they do that in a teapot. Maybe the length of the pipe or the smoothness of the walls or something makes a difference. Um, I don't understand, you know, any of the physics other than what I just said before. <laughs> I've seen, I think some teapots, where you have the spout and then kind of towards the bottom of the spout before you get to the full teapot, it'll be almost like a, a sieve thing where you have like 10 or five smaller holes that let the flow through. I wonder if that's something to do with it. That could have something to do with that. Yeah, I always thought that was just to keep the leaves from pouring out, but absolutely, that sounds... I just I, I just had a quick search on YouTube. There's, there's like so many videos on laminar flow. So our visitors... <laughs> could go and have a look at that if they want to learn more and that's is it laminar or lamin it's laminar l-a-m-i-n-a-r we've talked a bit about uh yeah about about the history there and and sort of the uh, adoption in japan and um and and its growth and popularity of moving to teapots in china itself but i um i don't think i can go through this episode without talking about Mulan as a uh, just that one scene and I'm talking cartoon Mulan not 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 live action and I haven't seen it and I have no idea if they recreate the scene in the live action in any way shape or form but uh, talking original Disney Mulan cartoon here where uh, where she goes into the into the uh, the matchmakers uh, den <laughs> her house to uh, yeah to prove herself to potential future in-laws and be yeah, be given a husband and, and all the associated uh, everything that would happen on the back of that. And one of the tasks she needs to complete is, is the tea ceremony. And obviously she completely and utterly stuffs it up with, with the, the, uh, the cricket that jumps around um, and, and causes chaos and in a humorous uh, way, as, as you see with the kids and they sit there and giggle away at it, which is always fun to watch. But um, you know, even just in that cartoon, which is done as a joke and a bit of a, bit of a humorous scene, the process they go through, even in the cartoon, is insanely complicated and over the top. And you can see her remembering, you know, or trying to remember with 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 the uh, notes that she writes on her hand, um, all the steps involved and all the process and how she goes about doing, you know, each each element of that tea ceremony just to be able to prove that she can pour a cup of tea, something we take, you know, for granted today, that it's just, yep, I'm going to get myself a cuppa. Um, yeah, compared to what was this massively ritualistic process. Sacred art, yeah. I've never seen Milan. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, you have kids. Go watch it. I know. I'll have to, I'll have to watch it. Um, I, I have attended a wedding once that was um, 
a uh, one party of the wedding was Chinese, and as part of their wedding, they had a traditional Chinese tea ceremony. Oh wow! It was restricted to family only, so I sort of had to watch like over the top of a bunch of people. Um, and uh, but yeah, it it looked very uh serious, <laughs> shall we say? So uh, yeah, I guess I guess you know that's just how they are. I think that's, I mean, I think it's really cool. <laughs> I gotta say, like, it's sad that yeah, it is cool. in our Western culture, we don't have that in some way, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing that's been, as you, because it's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years that it's become such a part of culture and life. And, you know, tea is just as big of a thing in Western world. And yet we don't have anything like that. All right. Let's not end on a downer. Um, now we're going to do the round of what do you prefer green or black tea? I I can't I can't um answer that because I think they both have their merits. I drink more black tea than green tea purely out of the fact that you know we always tend to have more black tea in house and growing up um my parents didn't ever drink green tea. Um I I didn't even know it was a thing until you know I was a bit older. Um and yeah so most of it is um is black tea just because of that but i i love them both equally and um yeah they both have their merits so yeah i'm I'm gonna be a fence sitter be that annoying guy that sits on the fence and doesn't really have an opinion one way or the other i can also remember i'm pretty sure the first time i ever had any green tea and it was from when my dad in the 80s it must have been when he was doing trips business trips to asia I think it was when he went to Bangkok and he came back and he had this little set of six little tins of various Chinese teas, I guess, oolong and just different things like that. And just trying different ones then, however young I was and thinking how interesting the flavors were. I think I, I, I probably agree with Mike in, in some ways that, you know, growing up, green tea was not a thing that, that we had. It wasn't something that we uh, were exposed to. Um, so, so and, and I probably through to this day, don't drink anywhere near as much, just pound for pound quarter sort of quantity of green tea as I do black. So um, definitely we'll have to say black, but I think um, even in saying that, I, I would prefer a, some sort of blended black to a, a straight, you know, English breakfast or, or you know, insert unflavored, unblended tea here. I think, yeah, at the moment, one of my go-tos is a, is a, um, uh, a lady gray kind of blend where you simply for the flavors of it it's it's pleasant it's nice it's got some difference to it um and if you need more info on that check uh i think it was our second episode we went into detail with that <laughs> yeah i did i did and i'm going to add that one to the reviews because i was having a cup of that the other day and thought yeah i need to review this because i'm really enjoying it before it runs out that was fascinating with the water and everything yep <laughs> yeah but when I've gone and, um, you know, sort of ordered samples and, and taster sets from people, you know, they're, they're easily 70% green teas. Um, you know, that the, if you sort of order a generic sample set from a company, it tends to be, well, I've found that they tend to be more heavily slanted towards green tea varieties than, than your black tea varieties. So I've definitely had a lot more exposure to them in the last few years and they're growing on me. Um, I'm still not a... I still struggle to sit down and just chow down on a, on a, on a cup of green tea as, as I would a, a black tea. Um, and, and context is everything. You know, when we, when we go out and have a you know, meal at a, at a Chinese restaurant, I'll absolutely have a cup of, or we'll get a pot of uh, a green Jasmine tea 
um, you know, and, and gladly have that as my drink during dinner. That's, that's just what you have. Um, you know, and even this morning having the white peony, it, you know, as, but it's not technically a green tea, it's a white tea, but you know, it's, it's there. And I enjoyed that quite a lot as it was. Um, so I think I will go with saying if it's a straight black or green or white tea, I would probably put them on equal balance. I, I'd happily prefer either or if it's a flavor, if it's got something else to it, it's a, it's a black tea. They tend to, to, for me, go better with, with those flavors. Yeah. And I feel like the obvious caveat we should make here that probably everyone gets is as three white Western guys, we're probably more prone than as most people, white Western people are to just having black teas over green teas. And I feel if you would talk to Asian people, they'd be more likely to have green teas and feel over black teas likely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be the opposite story. Yeah. I grew up with green tea every day and uh, yeah, I've only had my first cup of black tea last week and it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we have a lot of good friends from malaysia and, and singapore um uh kuala lumpur in singapore i should say where um every time we have them over for dinner and we ask them you know do you want a cup of tea they they always without fail um have a green tea and usually um they request like a green tea with with ginger or a green tea with lemongrass so i don't know whether that's like a traditional thing um for like an aperitif you know after after dinner that you would have um sounds good to me but yeah, they, they have that almost every time to the point where we, we have like a, a tin of it um, in, the, in the kitchen ready to go for when they come over. So yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, I just feel as I've gotten older, just I would do way more, I mean, again, mostly black, but I do a lot more just green tea in general now and having more different green teas. And just, again, you know, what mood are you in for? I want a heavy, strong black tea or no, once in a lighter, I'm going to go for one of my greens I've got and just enjoy it just as much. We do have a, a nice tradition actually here where if we go, if we're usually in San Francisco, if we go to Golden Gate Park or there's a, a big museum there, the Academy of Sciences, one thing we always do at the end of the day is um, they have a wonderful, huge um, Japanese gardens there. And so we do the walk around that. And then they have a little tea restaurant place there too. So we always get and have jasmine tea and these little little biscuits and crunchies and things and sit there and watch the koi and everything, which is a really nice little memory and pastime. So when you guys come over here, we'll have to do that. Yep. Yeah, that sounds lovely. It is. Especially if you do it in spring, like now, where everything is just blossoming and it's just gorgeous. Yeah. No, that sounds pretty amazing. All right. Well, now we move on to our final segment. Uh, I think it is. Yeah. Tea recommendations. I think I'm going to have to go with, and I've only got one today, but it's going to have to be what I've been drinking through this episode. Um, which is this, uh, the seven seas organic white peony tea. So it's, um, it's from the seven seas tea company, which is, uh, down in, they say Margaret river, but, uh, uh, up is the town they're in. And, and yes, it's spelt C O W Aram up. Um, and, and their, their entire town is focused on cows. It is. I, yeah, there's cows everywhere, like metal cows. Every shop is named after cows. Um, the next time either of us drive through. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful town. Sounds like, uh, sounds like Sonoma County here where all the milk production. So cows are everywhere. <laughs> and what's okay. Crazy segue. Okay. So our, our company is the local company is Clover Milk, Clover Company. And they have these billboards that they've had for decades and they're always puns. So and you could actually buy a book of them now too. They're really wonderful. 
anyway, continue. So it's a beautiful town, and this 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 uh, this shop is located sort of along the main street, uh, in between a, a chocolate shop that they share an internal doorway with, um, and and they do a whole bunch of teas, a whole bunch of tea accessories, so pots and and some um, you know, handcrafted mugs and all sorts of things. But they also have this spice market in there as well, where they have sort of a range of spices that you can bring your own containers in and fill them up, and it's 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 really nice, beautiful little shop. Um, and the first time I went in there, I unfortunately probably lost her, uh, oh, probably about half an hour of business. Uh, cause I pretty much said, Hey, can I have a sample set of every single tea that you do? Uh, so she diligently went out the back and, you know, made me a sample of almost every single tea that they did. So, oh, wow. um, it you know, gave me a sample pack of it. So I've got, I've got a whole bunch of that. Uh, I did pay for them. So it didn't completely bankrupt her, but, uh, yeah, obviously a sample piece uh, that she had to hand fill was. That was really good of her. And you're going to plug them on this episode and this this show too, aren't you? So so they'll get lots of coverage, and we'll definitely be sure to link them in the show notes. It was uh, no, they're, they're a really really nice place. So I highly encourage you if you're ever down this way, go through, grab a cup of tea, say hi, um, and then grab some chocolate next door as well, um, and then pop back, grab some cinnamon from the spice market, and add that into your hot chocolate. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then say, remember that guy Taryn who made you do all that work? Um, so yeah, it's uh, I know I mentioned it before, but it's it's an organic uh, white peony with a mellow flowery taste. Uh, only the bud and the first two leaves are taken to make the white tea, uh, or to make this particular white tea. Um, and with less processing than the rest, they hold on to a lot of the antioxidants. Um, hence, why white tea is purported to have. Uh, uh, many, many health benefits over and above the other teas, including dental health. So, um, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's very nice. Its flavor is quite subtle, um, and very, uh, yeah, very, very flowery, um, and a little earthy as well in its, uh, in its flavors. All right, Mike, what you got? Good recommendation. Thanks. You know what? I want everyone, everyone listening, you, if you can hear me now and you're listening to this, I'm talking directly to you. Go and get yourself a, a green tea matcha latte. I think everyone should give it a go and report back. Send us a tweet. Taryn, stop shaking your head. <laughs> I'm nodding. Sorry, I'm nodding away. Nod. <laughs> I, I like that. I like, I like the, the, you know, send us a tweet on it and let us know what, what you think yeah. of, your, of a green tweet green tea matcha latte and whether or not it's got any added sugars in it yeah whether it's whether they serve it to you sweet or whether you have to sweeten it yourself because yeah like i say everyone i've ever had has been served quite sweet i wouldn't mind trying it unsweetened um yeah let let us know send us a tweet so tweet that that's at at the tea cast or you can also email us i think i still got the, the email account which is while there is tea there is hope at gmail.com and then when we eventually do our matcha episode, we can mention those. Yeah, we can give you a shout out. At I like tea 420 says, you know, they like matcha. <laughs> All right, is that it, Mike? That's my recommendation. Take it or leave it. Um, so I'm going back with this one too. I tried a few more or at least one of the... Um, this was the simple loose leaf kind of subscription I was on for a few months and then realized I wasn't getting through enough tea because I needed to save them up for the episodes and just stopped it. But fortunately, I've got a nice backlog of going through. So I did actually try the simple chai. And I had this after I tried the um, 
Bunka Galab tea chai, which has just changed my whole view on chai, and I love it. And that's what you guys are eventually going to try that you got that I sent you. Um, so I tried this chai, and try and actually I specifically tried it thinking in mind of how it was different from the Bunka chai, and it wasn't as good as that. And if I hadn't had that Bunka chai, I probably would have thought this was pretty good because it did what I expected chai to do. It wasn't that spicy at all, but it had some of the notes I could pick up that I expect from chai, but it wasn't anywhere near as pure as the ones with the bunker chai where I could pick up all the different little flavors and the notes in it that I really enjoyed. So I recommend bunker chai once again for over other chais, but the actual one I'm recommending is the one I tried, which I did enjoy, which is a black tea called Simple Yunnan. An elegant and straightforward Chinese black tea, our simple Yunnan brews with a crisp, clean scent overlaid with hints of honey and sweet nuts. A classic and simple Yunnan that is robust and sturdy enough to be an everyday drinking tea that can stand up to longer brew times or hotter waters without diminishing the pleasure of the tea. Simple Yunnan is best served hot and can be enhanced with a splash of milk. But if you want to serve it cold, add some citrus or tart fruits to it to give it more complexity. Um, I remember there was one other black tea from the Simple Loose Leaf I tried that I found boring and didn't really like, whereas this one was really smooth and just had more depth and interesting flavors to it. I was able to pick up that, that kind of honey smoothness to it um, that I didn't pick up with any of the other black tea stuff. So Simple Yunnan is my recommendation. And that about comes, brings us to the end of the episode. Do you guys have any final words, thoughts, proclamations? Is that cricket? Yeah. Cricket I was hearing? <laughs> Taryn, add that in post. <laughs> yeah. I think I might just chirp, chirp, chirp and lead out to music and uh, yeah, fade into... <laughs> To end well, we covered a lot in this episode, so I think we're we're yeah, we're we're spent. Our tea is drunk. Yeah, I think we're done. Well, we truly, a lot of good stuff. And uh, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, let us know. Again, hit us on Twitter at the Teacast or email us at hope at gmail.com and let us know what you thought. And without further ado, we'll be back next month with a whole new tea episode. Goodbye, guys. See you later. See you later. It was lovely to talk to you all.